0: back, everyone, to another edition of the Camera Brooks Podcast, Above and Beyond. I've got a real treat for you today. Today, I interview Portia Wilson. Portia is a vice president of treasury client services at BOK Financial. She transitioned from the Army in April of 2009, so she's been in the business world for almost 11 years. She's a former Army medical service officer who did mostly logistics in the army and she has an undergraduate degree in biology and so this conversation is fun for two reasons one she she recounts some of her experiences at the conference and interacting with Roger Cameron but ultimately gets to the point you know a medical service officer with a logistics background and a biology undergraduate degree starts in banking and she started at Regions Bank back in 2009 had three major roles at Regions over the course of almost nine years there, finished as a VP of Integrated Solutions Operations before moving to BOK Financial almost two years ago. So we definitely talk about some of the things she did at um, Regions and how she was successful there and continue to rise to higher levels of leadership regions. And then we talk about why she went to BOK and how, how, how all of that worked out. And, you know, it's great to interview someone who's kind of mid career or maybe approaching mid career, 11 years in corporate America, continuing as a development candidate to rise again to higher levels of leadership. It's great to interview someone there because they give so much perspective um, that allows you to see not only beyond, not only that looking at that first job right out of the military, but beyond that, two, three, four, five different jobs five major roles at least uh, in corporate America at two different companies. So she, she, she's got a great attitude. She has excellent enthusiasm. So it's very easy to talk to her and really listen to her experience. I think you're going to like this one a lot, simply for the fact that she brings a load of experience in the world of banking. And that's just another, you know, just another industry out there. And she gives you some great perspective on that as well. So, really enjoyed my time talking to Portia. I think you will as well. Um, if you've stumbled on this podcast and you you don't know much about who Cameron Brooks is and what we do, I would encourage you to go to our website, Cameron-Brooks.com. We've got a lot of content and media for military officers who are either going to transition or considering a transition to corporate America. So check us out, out there. Lots of content that you can check out to learn more about who we are, what we do, and certainly about a transition to corporate America. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's get going. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Portia Wilson. All right, Portia, thanks so much for joining the podcast and take a couple of minutes out of your busy day. Welcome. Thank
1: you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Okay, so let's start here. Let's just tell everyone, and actually, before we start, let me just say I'm super excited to talk to you because a lot of the podcasts that we do are typically the people that are three, four, five years out of the military, but you came to a conference in April of 2009, so obviously walking up to your 11-year mark in corporate America, so you're going to have some, some experiences just being a little bit further along in your career that I'm really excited For people to hear about. And so uh, let's kick it off with uh, the question that I really ask everyone when we first start. Just, you know, in a a minute or two, just give us a very quick background of your military story. Where did you come from in the military?
1: Okay. Well, I am a former Medical Service Corps uh, officer with the U.S. Army, Uh, spent most of my time at Fort Campbell, home of the Screaming Eagles where mm-hmm. I was um, assigned with the 86th Combat Support Hospital. Um, and, wa- and during my time there, I served in two uh, key roles. So the medical logistician officer and the, also the assistant s four, and as well as the company XO and acting uh, detachment commander for one of the atta- detachments that were, under 86 Cash called the 772 Ford Surgical Team. Um, In both of those roles, I was responsible for um, managing time, troops, equipment, um, handling as many as 10 or more uh, soldiers in my shop, had lots of senior non-commissioned officers. And I did a tour in Baghdad in 2004 to 2005, where I was the sole class eight support for all of the international zone or the green zone, as they call it. So I managed all of the accounts mm-hmm. um, for the all of our military attachments, but also the State Department, Blackwater and any of the other um, civilian companies that were uh, near us in Baghdad. I handle all of the class eight so that medical supplies, blood, specs we call it bugs, blood, specs, and drugs is what we would call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also oxygen. So uh, during my time there, just, um, man, it was an experience that I will never forget and learned so much. I was, what was I, 22, 23 when I arrived at Fort Campbell and put in charge of other people who had probably, as the sergeant major told me, had boots that were older than me. (laughs) <laughs> and just <laughs> and just absorbed as much as I could and learned as much as I could from the non commissioned officers as well as learning my craft and learning from some very um influential um officers who were responsible for my my leadership.
0: Let me ask you a follow-up question to that very quickly, because uh, I really want to get on to life after the military. But it just it just inspired me to ask this question. So, so you've been you were successful in your time in the army. I went back and, and studied your OERs. You've been successful in the army. Um, obviously, some of that was you know learning from people who had more experience than you and kind of deferring to some of that knowledge, which allowed you to lead. What else did you do? Or what was one thing that someone listening to this podcast who's in the throes of the military leadership experience can apply to be successful today?
1: Hmm. While still in the military?
0: Yeah. What did you do that made you successful?
1: Um, really, I just became a sponge. And probably one of the first things that I learned quickly was accountability and also sticking to the facts and having the data behind the facts and so one of the and, and honestly you learn your best lessons by mistakes and i remember being put in a briefing um i was a brand new second lieutenant we had just arrived in theater i've been put into a staff meeting um combat support office, officers have an O six 6 leadership chain, uh, chain. And so it was my turn to brief the 06. And he was just a very uh, numbers driven kind of guy and a data kind of guy. And I just did not have my stuff together. I'd only been in the military like six months. And most of the time while I had been there, it was okay, hurry up and get qualified and get ready for deployment and get these shots and get out of the door. But I hadn't really learned how, I hadn't really learned that professional savvy. And it was through my mistakes with briefing with this particular Colonel Uh, Colonel retired Casper P. Jones III, (laughs) who I just reconnected (laughs) with. You remember. He just really helped mold me and shape me um, just from being one of those guys that if if he asks you a question, you better know the answer and you better be sure of it. And you don't use pronouns like they and he and and I heard. And you're always certain. And if you don't Mm. know, then you need to say that you don't know. And so Mm. one of the things that I learned quickly was have your facts. (laughs) but if you don't know
0: it's okay okay let's let's get on to the topic of your conference because before i hit the record button you and i were kicking around um an idea of going to work at a bank so you you know you have a biology undergraduate degree you were a medical service officer medical service corps officer that was really doing a bunch of logistics for the preponderance of the time you're in the military so um and then you know you started your career and worked for 9 years at a bank and so How did that all play out? Tell me a little bit about your conference.
1: Well, um, in my preparation for the conference, it was basically, we're going to have you interview with, you know, medical sales companies and different companies like that, especially with me being a medical logistician. I'm already familiar with a lot of the products, um, things like that. But they were like, we're going to get you, you know, the best company based off of your location preferences. And based off of what companies are looking for. Um, I had an interesting caveat to my time in the conference because it was not just me, it was actually me and my husband. And so we worked, we worked with Cameron Brooks for probably two plus years leading up to the conference. And I got out first and then my husband got out shortly after. And we were basically told that, you know, we've got three choices. We are, Gonna allow you all to interview with companies who may have positions in the same cities. Yep. Or we're gonna have you interview with companies who may have you know multiple positions within the same company in the same city, and then we're gonna have you interview with some companies who may not be in yeah. the same city as your spouse. And efforts that at least one of you are gonna we're gonna walk away with, uh, you know, we were both not guaranteed to get offers, but. Best case scenario or worst case scenario, if you will, one of you is going to have a job when you leave this and then we'll, you know, in the event that that happens, we will, you know, if the location is Houston, Texas, we'll see what we have in that area with alumni and so on and so forth. And so we had that kind of in our minds um, when we went into the conference. And so I was in my mind, I'm like, oh, I'm going to interview with Procter and Gamble and Johnson and Johnson and Cardinal Health and all these different Boston Scientific companies. And then I looked through my packet. And there is an information packet on reasons bank. And I drew like a huge like blank and was like, uh Oh, they didn't prepare me to interview with a bank. Now, realistically, the 25 questions prepares you to interview for anything with anyone. But in my mind, I said, Well, no, I all the different sheets that we looked at none of them were ever a bank. And so I remember, meeting with um roger cameron and i sat down with him and he says are you excited and i said well roger not really and he says well why and i said well i'm interviewing with regent's bank and you all didn't prepare me to interview with the bank he says sure we did the 25 questions prepare you to interview with anyone i said well i get that you're right but in my mind i have not been prepared to interview with the bank and and actually this was After I had interviewed with Regions Bank. And he said, Well, how did it go? And I said, Well, I don't think it went so well because they asked me this question. They asked me, Why banking? Why do you want to work in banking? And I was like, Roger, y'all didn't prepare me for that. I had no answer Mm. for that. He said, Well, (laughs) what did you tell them? And I said, Well, I never told them why I wanted to work in banking. And I actually said, I actually didn't think I'd be interviewing with the bank, but I can tell you why I want to be with Regions Bank the company. And I talked about my experience as a customer of the bank. I had had the pleasure of attending school in the wonderful Southeast, especially in the state of Alabama, where Regions was there. Everyone in Alabama knows that Regions and AmSouth merged and took the name Regions Bank. And I had actually banked with both. So I talked about my experience as a customer and why I liked the company and the company's culture as a customer. And Roger said, well, kid, I think you just got yourself a job.
0: (laughs) By, By the way, I do want to tell you this, and I'm looking at the paperwork from back in 2009. You were their number one. I don't know how many people they interviewed. I didn't go that far in my research. But you were their number one candidate from the conference. A number one, the person they were most interested in. From the conference, did you know that already?
1: Oh no, I had no idea, and I cannot Mm -hmm. wait to tell my husband because he must have been their number
0: two choice. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I I didn't grab his. I should have grabbed grabbed his file for this conversation. Oh no, anyway, yeah, because he went there too, right? That's how one is enough. Well, that's right. You need to share that with him. That's for sure. He needs to know that you were number one. I appreciate that. But you said there were three (laughs) options. Either you would interview in the same city, different company. Number two, interview for the same company, multiple open positions. Or number three, interview in different cities. And you guys went with same company, multiple open positions because he went to Regions Bank as well. Correct?
1: That is correct. Yep, that's correct.
0: Gotcha. Okay, so why did you ultimately, and let's kind of pull the point all the way through here, why did you ultimately, because to your point, you know, biology, medical service, you were looking at companies like Boston Scientific and J&J, why did you ultimately choose Regions Bank?
1: Well, I chose Regions because, again, I was already familiar with the company and I knew the company's history as a consumer or as a customer of the bank. It was also the best choice for our family. And we sat down and really kind of thought it through because we both had been offered to go through the Management Associate Program or Management Trainee Program at Regions. Um, I had a 7-Eleven offer in Bayonne, New Jersey. And my husband had an offer in New Jersey somewhere with a pharmaceutical company called Monlica. And also had an offer in Columbus, Ohio with Boston Scientific. And so for us, it was like, What's the best choice for our family? What's the best cost of living for our family? We factor all of those different things. And at the end of the day, we both thought it was better for us to both end up with a job offer um, and with jobs, especially it was 2009. They weren't hiring a lot anywhere in 2009. Actually, our family and people around us thought we were crazy for leaving the military in 2009. Yeah, for getting out and then also then choosing a bank when banks were failing, they were like, you guys are crazy. But it was what we (laughs) we thought was best for our family. We had a three year old son Mm. at the time. Um, And then we were both um, college educated in the state of Alabama. So we were familiar with that area. Now, while we had no interest in moving to Birmingham, we ended up um, realizing it was the best um, solution for our family, and we absolutely loved Birmingham. And were sad when we left there in 2018.
0: Right, because you're in Dallas now, right?
1: Yes, I am.
0: Okay, so I don't want to get I don't want to get ahead because this is really this is we're just following your story here, which is just phenomenal. So okay, so you guys go to Regions in Birmingham. Tell me about your, and I'm looking at your LinkedIn profile, tell me about your first job at Regions. What were you hired to do initially?
1: Okay, well, we were hired to be as part of their, it was called the Management Associate Program or the MA program. And so it was my husband, myself, and one other uh, JMO, and he was a Marine, and we were all hired, and we were hired to be a part of their class. They had a new class every year. And what they do is it gives you like the huge um, high level picture of the bank from A to Z, where you learn that there is more to a bank than just going to a branch and getting money out. Um, Cause that's what most of us think a bank is. And so we did rotations in different um, lines of businesses of the bank. We got to shadow. We did get to work in a bank branch. Um, and then you actually got time to, um, fit in the actual line of business that you would be in. And so my husband went the consumer side, I actually went operations side. And so we were in the MA program for about three or four months. And then I went straight into my first job on the operation side where I was specifically in our fraud resolution area. And I just kind of sat and observed and I was kind of the, they didn't know what to call me. I was kind of the, the project, administrator and they actually put me under another jmo who did not go through cameron brooks but she had gone through the ma program the year before and so they put me under her leadership and there were some reorganizations that occurred a few months after that but i basically learned my role um, or learned that area learned that department and just um was just sitting with people and learning the job of what people do and for me it was just like okay it's just like being in the military go to the motor, motor pool and learn how to turn the wrenches with everybody else, right. and that's what i did for the first six or so months then there was some reorganizing that take, took place and i was put into a management role where okay. i was the debit card and atm claims manager and i was responsible for managing probably about 15 people um as well as about five or six temporary we had some um temporary employment people to kind of help with some backlog
0: that was my first role. So I want to I back up for just a second. You said there's more to a bank than what people imagine. And so you went into what you called operations, and then you talked about fraud resolution. And so mm-hmm. just for a moment, just to give people perspective who, who, are, who are trying to piece it all together and hear your background, tell me, okay, so we all know kind of brand, ban, branch You know banking walk into a branch you know cash a check take money out you know start to open an account whatever it might be but what are function what are what are kind of back office or maybe operational roles other than fraud like what are we talking about here
1: oh my goodness we are talking about everything that makes the magic happen operations is where the magic happens and i don't say that just because i worked in operations for almost nine years i say that because truly when you go into a branch and you take money out, something in the back on the back end has to make sure that your account is debited and that, you know, the bank receives credit and so on and so forth. And so, um, it's everything from check processing to cash management to managing the ATMs to sending a wire, um, sending out what we call mm-hmm. ACH or automated clearing houses, or for laying uh, uh and terms payroll your typical payroll like all mm-hmm. of those things have to move and there are scheduled jobs that take place behind mm-hmm. the scenes there are people who have to press a button to make those right. things happen and right. if they don't happen no money moves and it will bring the bank to its knees
0: yeah gotcha and so and this may be an obvious question but let me just throw it out there anyway and then so how i know that banks have a multiple multiple streams of revenue i understand that but as Mm -hmm. it relates to the operational component right when i think about operations i don't think about revenue streams i think about things that allow other areas to generate revenue for the organization am i thinking about that right and if so how did you affect cost which ultimately also affects profitability
1: So when you're in operations, you're exactly correct, correct. You're not a revenue generating center. You are actually what we call a cost center. And so the biggest expense at any company, but especially a bank is going to be your headcount. And so in operations, our biggest expense was headcount. And so what we would always look to do is to save money improve operational effi- efficiencies and that's the way that we would uh, if you will bring revenue to the bank or saving money at the bank and so that can be anything from let's implement this automated system where as we allow positions to attrite we don't have to replace them because it's right. more of an automated function check right. processing is a great example of that there are lesser and lesser checks being actually processed on any given day and so we have image recognition software where you basically when you take a picture of your check on a phone or run it through an atm or even when you take your check into a branch there's not someone physically looking at that check if everything checks the box and we have certain things that you know that we have in place but the only thing that we actually have real people looking at is if there's something wrong with your check maybe two checks scanned together Maybe the part of it where the serial number is is folded down and things like that. And so when you have more software, more automated things, then you don't need as many people. And the biggest way to save money in an operational setting is through headcount
0: yeah makes sense let me let i'm gonna be sensitive i know you and I talked about time before we started i'm gonna i'm gonna fast forward a little bit i, I want there's a couple more questions that I definitely want to get to though because i think they'll be important for those listening so so you did you were the manager debit card a t m claims for two years a little over two years and then you moved to mm-hmm. uh a v p manager and then you did that for a couple of years and then your last job at Regents you were vice president. It says integrated solutions operations payment operations risk management. So that's a heck of a title, and I don't even think I caught it all. But you did that for almost <laughs> three and a half years. So that was your, if you if you count like the the job, that was really your third main job. Uh, mm-hmm. You did that job for over three years, almost three and a half, over three and a half years. What was that role like? What, how many people were you managing? What was the day to day work? Because at that point, you know, you're, you know, you're five years into your career. So what, what, tell us about that VP job that you had.
1: So you'll be surprised to know that I was an individual contributor in that role. Okay. And while I was considered a manager, I was not a manager of people, I was a manager of processes and systems. And it had to do a lot with um, leading without direct authority. So I worked with people on the IT side, I worked with people on our product support side, I worked a lot with our treasury because that's more of a treasury role, but operational from a payment system perspective. Um, But I worked a lot with our treasury um, management product managers and I would lead these meetings called value chain team meetings. And so, for example, if we're looking to implement a new product or service because we would always call product people dreamers and they're always coming up with something new to sell to people. Um, it, it's their job to come up with the idea, but it was my job to make sure that we talked with operations and whatever back office systems that we had in place to make sure that we could support it. Um, gotcha. it was my job to make sure with these particular treasury solutions that we were on schedule for all of our updates. And now when you start throwing mobile, it's like, okay, well, are we up to date? Yep. Not only on the software, but are we on the latest Android? um operating system are we updated on the latest Apple iOS and things of that nature and so it it becomes to be very uh lots of moving parts and so lots of leading without direct authority involved yeah. in that particular yeah, role yeah, and yeah. then also gotcha. because I had been in financial crime very um risk heavy as well
0: okay what do you uh, real quick maybe one uh, one or two or three sentences risk heavy what does that mean
1: so, making sure that we have the monitoring in place to make the, the products that I supported were automated in nature. There weren't actual people who were touching a button or watching the schedule to run. I was monitoring or working with IT to build the monitoring. So, if a file is supposed to transfer at 5 p.m. and it doesn't, At 601, an email is generated to the powers that support that particular system, and we're on a bridge line, and we're trying to figure out what's going on so that it
0: doesn't impact clients
1: or customers. Got it.
0: Big job. That's a really big job. Leading those value chain meetings. That's very interesting, getting, quote, the dreamers to give you ideas and then figure out how to support it on the back end. All good. Okay. So... So you left Regions as a development candidate, and by the way, you, your, your rise at Regions is exactly what we call a development candidate. It's not a surprise, but it is, it is really great to be able to like find someone who finished, you know, came through this program 11 years ago and are continuing to rise within the organization. So you decided to leave Regions at almost the nine year mark. You, you moved to Dallas for BOK Financial. Why did you do that? Well,
1: <laughs> family reasons. My okay. husband actually left regions first. And so one of the things that everyone needs to keep in mind, and I share I share the good, and I also share what we call maybe the not so good, is that, and it's not just in banking, it's in any company. Sometimes they need to change the way that their organization looks, and sometimes they have positions for you, and sometimes they do not. And so um, they did some, some downsizing at Regions, and so my husband's position was eliminated. He started interviewing for companies, and he took a job with Goldman Sachs, and we had to move our entire family to Dallas, Texas. So I had to find another job.
0: Well, and I want to make a big point here. I told you I wasn't going to do much talking, but I do want to make a point because I say this all the time, and I think it's really important to appreciate. um and I probably need to ask the question before I make this statement, but let me make the question then ask this let me make the statement then ask the question. One of the things I say all the time is in the military it 's very binary you 're either in the military or you 're not in the military right and if you're not in the military you got to figure out what you 're going to do next from an industry perspective. Are you going to stay with the government are you going to go to business are you going to go to full time school are you going to go to a nonprofit? but in corporate mm-hmm. America, and you 're going to appreciate this portion because this is your story in corporate America. Mm-hmm. You left Regions, but you didn't leave, and you didn't even leave your industry. You, certainly, you didn't leave corporate America, but you stayed in banking. Why? Because you have so much knowledge and credibility that I have no idea how competitive Regions is to BOK okay financial, but but it doesn't really matter because it's not binary. You left Regions, and I assume, and this is the question that I need to ask you, but I assume you had a job with BOK. okay relatively quickly, because you have a skill set that you can sell to the industry of banking, whether it's at regions or not. Tell me more about that. Yeah.
1: yeah, so that's absolutely correct. So the moment we realized that we were going to need to move, I started putting applications out. And the other thing you note is that the job market in Dallas is crazy, um, especially from a financial institution perspective. Pretty much okay. everyone is here um but I started putting out applications and ultimately and I'm going to put like a little bit of a um a, a little nod in here to networking networking is actually what helped me get my job um a because I went to a vendor event and met with some uh, someone at BOK Financial who actually used the same vendor that we regions and so the knowledge was well she already knows this particular product and she already knows treasury and she referred me to the company um, for this role that I'm in right now. But the other thing is because treasury and banking itself, of course, is a small world, but treasury is an even smaller world. And I had a name and people knew my name. And it was like, this is Portia. We know her so-and-so in treasury at Regions vouches for her. We want her at our company. My company, Regions was very supportive of yeah. me leaving because they realized that they didn't have anything for me in Dallas. So the plan was to try right. to transfer. Yeah, stay of course. at the company. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And I think and so that's... You let me just jump sure in. Let me... You, leave I, with your, I, mm-hmm.
0: you got it. You got it. Sorry. you make Go ahead and make that point because I wanted to... I, I was going to say the exact same thing. So you left regions, not on a sour note. You didn't get fired. You didn't let go. You're right. You, it was a positive thing. It was unfortunate, yeah. but it was positive, right?
1: Yes, it was. And you want to leave with your reputation in check. And there are Absolutely. people today that still reach out and say hey i spoke with the consular regions at this conference and they told me to
0: tell you hello that's so good i mean cuz that that is so unlike it's just hard to appreciate as a military officer exactly the the weight and gravity of what you are saying and the way that people can manage their careers i think the biggest mistake that people make is they they jump around too early with but with almost 9 years at a company from a from a brand perspective you you were sky high From a network perspective, you were sky high. Like you said, you built a skill set in Treasury. You just built a skill set. It happened to be in Treasury, which now you're known or or people can call and very quickly validate who you are and what you've done. And so, you know, Mm -hmm. I I know you know this. You certainly don't need me to tell you this, but you will always be marketable in corporate America because you have such a great skill set. And as you continue to grow to higher and higher levels of leadership, you'll continue to... Broaden that marketability and that skill set. So again, yeah, I know you don't need me to tell you that, but I want to stress the point (laughs) because people need to hear that who are looking at, you know, the next 10, 15, 20 years, like I'm getting out of the military, but what does that actually mean? It's just such a big point, you know? You're right. Let me let me go I want to ask you two more questions. First question is let's go all the way back to that first job at Regions when you were, you know, you started and you got in and you learned the business for 3 months and then they put you in the in the in the operational section and you quickly with some reshuffling and reorganization got to the manager debit card ATM claims. You know, you didn't interview for that job nor did you stay there very long, 2 years. I mean, think about where you are relative to where you were when you started that first job way back when and and I think the point that I want to make and maybe you can stress and expand on it a little bit is sometimes people that are leaving the military get so wrapped up in that first job but it's only been 11 years and you have done so many things and you are so far beyond where you were in that first job that I think I want to I want you to expand on this idea that Like, that first job's important. There's no doubt about it. It's imminently important. It's just only one job in a much larger, it's like one chapter in an extremely large book that, quite frankly, Portia, you're still obviously writing. Tell me about that.
1: So that's correct. So the first job, honestly, is the most critical. And that's because people need to know if you're worth your weight. And so while we at companies, and now I can say we, because I am on the other side, although I will always be an army girl, we always know you know, the value in having junior military officers. But one thing that we know, and I know this because I am in the military, is that people are, other than busy promotions, most of the times people are promoted based off of time, not always in merit, which is completely different in corporate America. You are promoted based off your merit. And so while we know the value of a junior military officer, you don't know what you have until you actually get it, get it. And so your very first job is very critical and it's really important to be the very best that you can be at that first job. And then the shoulder tap will come because I was in that role for a short time because I got a shoulder tap to go
0: on to something else. So good. So good. Uh, it's it's hard, you know, when you when you when you define the shoulder tap. It's hard to, you know, the, it, it happens in a lot of different ways for a lot of different people, and sometimes the shoulder tap is you being real proactive. Right, going and Mm -hmm. and I have lots of conversations with people being proactive and looking across the organizations. And other times it's like, hey, we think you'd be a good job, good fit for this role over here. And so I think the hardest thing for JMOs is they can't quite appreciate this idea that unlike the military, and I don't mean this as a derogatory term, but unlike the military's conveyor belt type of promotion system, which you Mm -hmm. really described in terms of time and grade, time and service type of deal, in corporate America, it, 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 you know, it's not a conveyor belt. It's, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a spider web. <laughs> you could go in so <laughs> many is. different directions relative to well, your skills, relative to your network. Yeah, go ahead.
1: And it's slower. It's a slower process and a slower pace than what we're used to in the military. And even me, every two to three years, I get that itch. And that's the old army in me where I feel like right. I'm supposed to move physically or move in a job or something. And you've got to quiet that itch and make sure that you're doing the absolute best that you can do. And pay attention to what's going on around you. You have peers or direct reports or even superiors who have been in their roles for 15 or 20 years. And here you are two years thinking, I've got it. I've mastered it. Now you're supposed to move me into something else.
0: Well, I think the army. The, the thing, I was in the Army as well, but the thing the military does is they keep you in a job long enough for you to get really good at it, and then they move you out. But corporate America, and I think this is what you're saying, they want to keep you in a job not only long enough for you to get good at it, but once you get good at it, then I want to take advantage of that skill for a while, right, before you move yep. on. Like Get good at a job, and then let's let's let you really maximize the opportunity and really lower cost or deliver value or increase revenue, whatever it might be. I don't want to train yeah. you up and then quickly move you out. I think that's a that's the point and that's a big that's a big point relative yeah. to uh, our experience in the military.
1: Well they want you to they want you to learn and then at that mm-hmm. point at two to three marks, you've learned it, you've mastered it, but now it's your turn to take it and you absolutely must leave it better than what it was mm-hmm. before you mm-hmm. got
0: there. Mm-hmm. This is so good. We we could go on for much longer, but I'm but we're going to I'm so
1: talkative. <laughs> no. Oh, I know. I love it.
0: Are you kidding me? I think that uh I think that those who listen to this are going to be one, they're going to learn a lot about, you know, what it might look like 10 or 11 years down the road, and two, I think they're going to be impressed with you and your background. So It's been a real, real great conversation, Portia. I appreciate the uh, opportunity to visit with you for, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes here. I think your experiences is fun. And, 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 you know, it's funny. I want to say unique, but that's not really right. I mean, it's unique to you and you're continuing to rise to higher levels of leadership, but For all those listening to this podcast, I think you can expect similar results if you follow some of the guidelines and some of the things that Portia is saying. So thank you so much. Very, very valuable information. Thank
1: you.